COVID-19, oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. From the West Side Market, it's two middle-aged men in Cleveland, featuring pro wrestler turned stuntman Chris Hahn, and now a pair of aces, Ted Klopp and Ken Dworsman. Mr. Klopp, another week of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Ken Dworsnik, Ted Klopp. We're going to bring you probably about 35 to 40 minutes of laughs, stories, and what's going on with our lives, and also probably a pretty cool interview today. How yeah. are you, Mr. Klopp? I'm great. How are you? I am well, well rested, I would say. Yes, you've been sleeping a lot. You texted yes. me uh, last Saturday, which was, I think, 10 o'clock, and you told me, I just want to let you know, I just got up. I'm like, wow, I'm proud of you, man. That's pretty yeah. cool. Pretty cool. Had a great experience this past weekend. Two quick items to bring up. One, I know people are always looking for something to do now. Sure. I will highly recommend to go to something called the Holden Arboretum. Okay. It's in, Kirt it's in Kirtland, Ohio. It is awesome. It's an outdoor place that has all these different trees and flowers and all that. There's actually a canopy walk that you can do on a suspended bridge. And then they also have this huge tower where you get a great view of the whole area above the trees. And then you actually can solve the, can see the Perry power plant and oh. then also Lake Erie, which is really cool. So wow. I will highly recommend that it's in Kirtland, Ohio. It doesn't take very far from Cleveland. I think you're going to get there in about 25 minutes. Very, very cool. Okay. The I second, will mark that down. I, I don't have any kids to take right now. So uh, we can always go by yourself. Back, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll remember uh, I'll hold an arboretum. Yeah. I, I'm yep. on, on solo. Yeah. Or you could take someone else's children if you want. Well, so, I second item I wanted to bring up today. When is the last time you played any type of video game? Probably three months ago. I'm talking an actual video game, not something like the kids play or something like that. I'm talking like oh, a coin-operated game? Yes. Oh, several years. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I've jumped back on the bandwagon with some of that stuff. So way back when... The kids got a Nintendo Switch from Santa. So they had this commercial for this game, PGA NK21, which, I mean, the graphics look pretty good. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I had a, of course, I've, I've learned this from my mother in Parma. You try to get things at a discount, never pay full price. That's right. kind of what I do. So I had a promo code because I bought a couple games way back when that I got $30 off this game. Now, this game is 60 dollars okay i'm thinking this thing better be the most amazing thing i've ever seen so i used the promo code and decided to get it ted i got it for my kids hopefully not that many people are listening i can't stop playing the thing it's unbelievable <laughs> it's like you're actually playing golf you could set up your own character you play all these different courses they set it up like you're part of the pga tour so you got to go to the q school and then you go to a different level it's addicting. It's addicting. A couple nights ago, I stayed up, I think, until almost one in the morning. Wow. Playing video game golf. Video game golf. What a difference in technology is from the days of when we used to play Tecmo Bowl. Do you, yeah. uh, do you remember that time? Oh, I mean, Tecmo Bowl. I remember uh, the Atari with the Pong. Pong, yes. Now I'm looking at a screen where it looks like I'm actually watching an actual golf match. It's insane. Does your fiance play the golf game with you? She has not. She thinks I'm completely deranged. Specifically oh. what she said, you're playing that game again. So you know that's, that's going real well when, when you hear, those, hear, yep. hear that verbiage. But the way I look at it, once again, something I could do with my kids, but then also something to take out the up the time above and beyond just watching TV or something like that. So not advancing my mental skills by any means, but my thumbs are real strong. I'll tell you that. Strong you should invite her to uh, play. Maybe she'll become uh, addicted to it as well. You never know. You could always ask. So those, those are my two stories from this past week. And uh, <clears throat> Well, my stories, I slept. My 
family remains on the road. I believe they will be back. Oh, well, certainly by this time next week, because I think by this time next week, we'll be in school. Oh, yeah. So that'll be exciting. Done a fair amount of cleaning, trying to do some grout or silicone in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. I like that. Exciting stuff. Nothing better than using some silicone. That's for sure. Well, the big tube. Is that what you're doing? Yes. Watch this on YouTube, how to do this, or you just knew how to do it? No, I don't know how to do it. I watch it on YouTube. There I have go. no That's idea. For everything. I thought my father-in-law was going to do, was going to do it for us. And he just says, Oh, well, go watch some YouTube. He gives me advice. Go watch some YouTube videos. Go talk to this guy. Go do that. Try to do this. And he gives me the tools. Love it. I said, do you want to come look? No, I'm okay. Okay. All right. I guess I'll do this. <laughs> well, good for you, Mr. Klopp. Yep. I love it. Yeah, I'm a regular Bob Vila. What do we have coming up on the show? We are going to talk to a former professional wrestler oh, about yeah. what it's like to try to get into the big time. He actually did kind of make it to the big time. We'll talk to him about that. What about a cure to a man's health problem being a poop transplant? Oh, boy. Details on that in Klopp's clips. We also have a voicemail to check. We're going to play Forecast Roulette again this week. Yes. And we have a new segment, Hear Ye, Hear Ye. Miss Speak of the Week here, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy was testifying remotely via Zoom before the U.S. Senate. As the hearing moved on, Senator Tom Carper of Delaware was called on to question the postmaster. But Senator Carper experienced, or at least thought he was experiencing, some technical problems, which led to this. Senator Carper? Is Senator Carper there? We'll move on to uh, Senator Langford. Mr. Chairman, I think Senator Carper is there. I think he's okay. going to be able to queue it all up right now. Senator Carper, can you unmute? I'm, un- I'm unmuted. Yes, Senator, indeed you are unmuted and have just given Cable News Networks a live TV moment that won't soon be forgotten. I'm sure this is not what people are referring to when they call the U.S. Senate the world's greatest deliberative body. That is the misspeak of the week. Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can... Make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Our guest today is a former professional wrestler who had his hand catch fire on television. After working a bit for the WWF and regional wrestling organizations, he began experiencing headaches and doctors found a benign tumor in his head. This ended his wrestling career, but he was able to transition to his current career path a Hollywood stuntman. Let's talk with Lexington, Ohio's Chris Hahn, whom I know much better as Johnny Paradise, the <laughs> wrestling persona from moons ago, right, sir? Moons, moons ago, yeah. What Back was in your the old uh, day of, of Klopp's clips? 
<laughs> well, now here's a little side note. Back when I was on television in Mansfield, Klopp's Clips was a sports thing that we did, and Johnny Paradise helped me promote Klopp's Clips. So, yes. yeah. I got the body slam you. Remember I got you the did. body you slam you? did, yes. I'm still, I, I still video. see a... I still I see that an factor about that. My lawyer, lawyers will be in touch on the comp claim there, yeah. So Johnny Paradise, how did you get interested in professional wrestling? I played football at Lexington, and whenever I, I made a spectacular play, which there was many of them. Sure there were. I always used to talk a lot of trash and run my mouth. And my dad always told me, you would make a great pro wrestler. So when I graduated from high school, I went to Ohio State for about a year and a half, and it just – didn't seem like it was working out. My dad says, uh, well, we got to figure out something because either you're going to go to school or you're going to get a job. And so I said, well, I want to be a professional wrestler. So I started working for my father who owned a company here in Mansfield called Haunt Exterminating. And I worked for him in the, during the day. And then I went and I got a loan to pay for my own pro wrestling school at a place called the Monster Factory in Marion, Ohio, where I was trained by a gentleman by the name of Charlie Fulton, who used to be the NWA intercontinental champion back in the 70s. How did you come up with the name Johnny Paradise? Where did that come from? My dad and my mother were getting ready to go on vacation. And my dad was looking at a DVD and it was called Paradise Travels and Cruises. And the guy that was doing the tour name was Johnny and my dad kind of threw it together. And at the time I had blonde hair and I can let it go kind of long. We put Johnny Paradise together and then I came up with every man's nightmare, every woman's dream from Fantasy Island. And so we kind of threw it all together, and the great Johnny Paradise was created. <laughs> that is outstanding. That is outstanding. When you worked at Johnny Paradise, you were usually a bad guy or a, I believe a heel is the proper terminology. Am I right on that? Yeah, I usually played the bad guy. I was a kind of a throw in between a, a Ric Flair and a Mr. Perfect. I tried to be pretty boy. I wasn't very pretty, but I tried to be the pretty boy cocky when the ref wasn't looking, pull a pair of brass knuckles out of my tights and, and hit my opponent and knock him out in the middle of the ring. Did you prefer being a bad guy or yeah. did you, why, why is that? It seems to me anytime I hear interviews with wrestlers, most of them say, oh yeah, I'd rather be a bad guy. Tell me why that is for you or why in generally guys would rather be the bad guy. I would prefer to be the bad guy because the bad guy's job is to get the match over for the crowd. Okay. You gotta sell the good guy as a good guy, and then you also have to sell yourself as a bad guy. Sure. Chris, talk about how you made it to the WWF. Talk about that experience. Okay. My trainer, he had a couple buddies that used to be what they call road agents in the WWF. A guy by the name of Rene Goulet, a guy by the name of Tony Gurria, Pat Patterson. These guys would bring in independent talent from the local areas and we were basically called glorified jobbers so what they would do is we would get stuck in the ring with the undertaker and we would do a job for it our job as a glorified jobber was to make the undertaker look bigger than life so i would go in there and i would sell for him by taking a punch dropping to my knees doing the tombstone pile driver getting thrown off the top rope the more that i would sell for him the bigger superstar he would look like and he would get over with the crowd that much better. So basically, that's where you cut your teeth. You get in there, you get to see what it's like working number one with a real professional. You get to see what it's like in front of like 20,000 people, and you're scared to death. And then in the professional wrestling world, which is a little different than the acting world is, you can't screw up. So mm -hmm. it makes you concentrate and learn your craft a lot quicker, because if you screw up, number one, you got The Undertaker mad at you. Number two, you're never going to be invited back. And number three, you basically are categorized as someone who doesn't know what they're doing. So you better know your craft when you go in there because you're working against the top guys in the world and you need to promote them and make them look larger than life. So if your job when you're first starting out in the WWF is to go in and lose, and I'm using that in quotes, right. but lose, make the other guy look good, what can you do? as a performer to try to get the attention of the agents there, the, the producers, whomever they well, are. A lot of it, Mick Foley, who, Cactus Jack, at one time he was a glorified jobber. 
you know, and he made it. So basically what you want to do is number one, you want to make sure that they understand that you know how to take direction. Number two, the better shape you're in, the better you're going to look. If I weighed 300 pounds and had a belly that hung down to my knees and I went against the undertaker and he beat me up, you know, but if I'm a big muscle bound guy and I go in there and I wrestle the undertaker and he beats me up, it makes the undertaker look that much better. And then they, they look and to see how you move in the ring. If the moves go fluently when he throws a hip toss, they realize that you're just starting off. So they let you cut your teeth a little bit, a couple of years in the independent level, and then they pull you up. Now they've got a thing called NXT, where it's a developmental training center, where basically they pull guys in off the streets, they teach them the moves, the counter moves, and then they create a character for you. And then you work at the NXT level, and when you feel like you're good enough to go to the main roster, then they bring you up to the main roster. So you're saying that they would be looking at things and they can see things about how you move in the ring that sure. an average fan doesn't see. Oh, but they can see that and say, this guy has some potential, whereas this other guy, we're not going to bring him back. Say if I get body slammed and I'm going to get right back up and I'm going to take an arm drag. I'm a right-handed guy, so I have to roll to my left. And then I feed them with my right arm. So they see that you know what you're doing because you've been trained properly and the ways to feed the other wrestler so that the moves look so fluent that there's no breaking. It doesn't look really robotic. Footwork, your movements towards the crowd. You know, when I sell something, how long you sell it for? A guy can get slammed and sell his lower back for an hour and a half if he wants to. But the match only lasts for five to ten minutes. So they want you to sell it for about 30 seconds and then get back up and start moving again. So just the little things like that. When you sure. were in the WWF, who would you say is the one person that you wrestled who was the easiest to wrestle with or was easiest to work with? I would say Shawn Michaels was very easy to work with. If you watch the WWE Network, they have documentary series. They got one on Razor Ramon, which is Scott Hall. If you watch that, I wrestled him in his tryout match for the World Wrestling Federation, and it's on there. So I kind of still keep in contact with him because he, even though I was a jobber and I put him over, I still helped him get his foot in the door and get a contract with the World Wrestling Federation. So I would say Scott Hall was really easy. My favorite wrestler out of all of them by watching and learning was Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, because he could mat wrestle and then he could throw punches and kicks and then he could do stuff off the top rope. So he was kind of a jack of all trades. You know, he could do it all. So what was your top experience while in the WWE? What is the most memorable thing you take from that experience? Wrestling The Undertaker was pretty surreal because he's six foot 11 and he's just enormous. I wrestled a cat by the name of Papa Shango who was uh, black magic and voodoo and he caught my arm on fire. I still have people recognize me for that. And then I would say working with Ric Flair was pretty amazing because wow. He's a legend, you know, and I worked him in a six-man tag down at WCW when he was with Sid Vicious and Arn Anderson, and that was pretty wild, too. So those are probably my three all-time highs, The Undertaker, Papa Shango, and working with Ric Flair. So a quick peek behind the curtain. I'm just curious. You go out into the ring, and obviously you're a jobber, and the other guy is sure. a big star. You come back. Is the big star thankful to you because you made oh, it good yeah. Do, are you thankful to them obviously they treat you much differently when they're in front of the crowd when they come back do you talk about the match talk a little bit about yeah. the relationship between the jobbers and the stars back when you were cutting your teeth so like let's say hypothetically when i wrestled the undertaker we would go backstage and then afterwards he'd come up he'd shake my hand and say i appreciate you selling for me you did a great job and then i would ask him for notes what did I do bad? What can I improve on? That's the sign of a professional. I don't mind constructive criticism. What kind of character do you think I would play? Stuff like that. So, and most of the guys are very responsive because we're all brotherhood. I scratch your back, you scratch mine, you know? Even though I, The Undertaker didn't take a kick from me or a punch from me, he still treated me with respect because I went out there and I made him look like a million bucks. You know, so he comes back and very appreciative. Yeah, they were all very appreciative of everything. Let's move to 2014, I believe it was. You started experiencing headaches. Tell me, yes. tell us about that and what happened. 
in May of 2014, I got thrown out of the ring and I hit my head around the metal guard post around the outside. And from that point on, I started to experience dizziness, passing out, and the worst migraine headaches you could ever get. And I thought it was all concussion-based. And my mother, she kept pushing me, you need to go to a concussion study. You need to go to a concussion study. So I got hooked up with University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, and they did a concussion study for a week. My doctor, which the guy that ran the program, his name was Dr. O'Connell, pulled me in his office and he says, I mean, you have had concussions, but what you have is a softball-sized brain tumor above your right eye, and it's growing at a pretty rapid pace. We need to remove this ASAP. So they admitted me in the hospital on Friday. I had surgery on Sunday, and I was home on Monday, and two weeks later, I was back in the gym working out. And I go down to the Pittsburgh Medical Center maybe once or twice a year just to stop in and see my doctors because... They gave me a second chance in life, and I'm taking every advantage of my second chance. So after you th- get this prognosis, Chris, obviously things in your life probably changed dramatically. Was that the end of your wrestling career at that yes. time? Yes. Okay. The doctor, so- I had just started doing stunt work and acting in movies and television. I was at the age, I was probably 44 years old. My wrestling was coming to an end anyway, just because I couldn't move. Bad hip, bad knees, bad elbows, bad shoulders. So I asked the doctor, I said, is it possible that I can still do the stunt work? Stunts is all safety first. You wear safety harnesses. You do a fight scene. You fall on pads. You fall. They don't hit you. You fall. I don't take any headshots. I won't take a chair over the head, even though they're breakaway chairs. You got to watch what you do. I have to monitor myself. I can't really do high falls because of the jerking of the head. But I can get hit by a car. I can catch on fire. Before the whole pandemic thing, I was in Atlanta and I was working with Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson in a movie called Red Notice. It's a Russian prison break movie. And I got to play a Russian prison guard. And if I was there a week early, I would have had a fight scene with Dwayne Johnson, which it would have been a stunt double, which is Tenoya Reed, who's a good buddy of mine. I've been blessed because I've got to work with Zac Efron, John Travolta, Don Cheadle, Ewan McGregor, Bruce Willis. Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, they're all A-listers, you know, and it's like the pro wrestling really helped me out because once a stunt coordinator sees that you're a pro wrestler, they know that you can throw a punch, throw a kick, sell. Those are the three things you got to do. And with professional wrestling, I can throw a punch, I can throw a kick, I can sell, and I can take direction. If you can't take direction, the stunt coordinator is not going to use you. So, when they see that on a resume, and then they've seen that I've worked with WCW, ECW, WWF, WWE, and a lot of independent, 28 years of professional wrestling, they know that I'm pretty versed in the fight scene stuff. I was on a movie called, uh, which is still on Netflix, Extremely Wicked and Vile, the Ted Bundy story. I play a prison, or I play a, a, a bailiff in a courtroom scene where I get to handcuff Zach Efron and drag him to the back. In a Ewan McGregor and a Don Cheadle movie called The Miles, I had the Miles Davis story. I got in a fight scene with Ewan McGregor and had to get, and it was pretty funny. He turned around, I sucker punched him, knocked him to the ground and put the boots to him a little bit and I took some money out of his pocket. But now I have a blast. You know, I always get categorized as this big, ball-headed, ugly-looking thug, which for some reason fits me just fine. I, I, I was going to say, if the shoe smells. Out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, I got one other question that I I don't know if you still can do this or not, but if you could put the uh, Johnny Paradise persona on one more time, would you be able to cut a promo for us? Like, uh, let's say you're going to wrestle wrestle me on Friday night downtown. Here's your promo. Go ahead. This is Johnny Paradise, the man from Fantasy Island. Every man's nightmare, every woman's dream. Ted Klopp. I'm looking for you. And when I find you, I'm going to grab you by the chin and I'm going to punch you so hard in the mouth, you're going to get a speeding ticket going 55 down the road. Because I'm Johnny Paradise and your girlfriend keeps looking at me and she calls me at 2 in the morning, breathing heavy. And if she doesn't watch that, I'm going to knock her out too. Because I'm Johnny Paradise, baby. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That right there is worth the price of admission. There we go. Hear ye, hear ye. 
Well, Ted, this is a new segment where we look at bizarre laws from across the country and examine how they got on the books. This one comes from Arizona, where a law prohibits a donkey from sleeping in a bathtub. That's right. The story behind the law suggests that in the 1920s, a merchant let his donkey sleep in an old bathtub. That became a problem when a dam broke, flooding the town where the donkey slept in the tub. The donkey wound up washed a couple miles down a valley with the rising waters before he finally landed. The donkey survived the trip. That's because residents spent a lot of time, manpower, and money on the rescue. That's a valuable donkey. As a result, a law was passed shortly after the incident banning donkeys from sleeping in bathtubs. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. I love that big voice intro. Here we go with this week's collection of Klops Clips. We begin in Mayfield Heights, Ohio, where a man wearing a Walmart vest apparently tried to steal a TV from a Walmart. As he was pushing the cart containing the TV out of the door, an employee questioned him, and he said he was working for another Walmart. When police arrived, he fessed up and admitted to getting the best from a friend. He gets an A for effort. I'll tell him that. Trying to go covert with the vest, saying Walmart, trying to do what you can do, but a smarter minds came out on top. Nothing to see here. Down in Brunswick, Ohio, police were called to Ohio Pie. It's a pizza place for a half-dressed woman causing problems. When cops arrived, they found the woman in a bra and jeans, and you guessed it, she was highly intoxicated. Cited also for disorderly conduct. I'm going to tell you right now, I think she needs to use DoorDash. Just let <laughs> it bring it to you. You want to get all hammered up and have a good time? That's your prerogative, but I would not be driving around, and that probably would save her a lot of cash, too. Just go through DoorDash. Easy service. A historic covered bridge in Illinois was just reopened after two years of repairs following damage from a tall box truck. Within 24 hours of reopening, it was struck again by a chartered school bus. Then... While a TV crew in suburban Chicago was talking to nearby residents about the situation, the, the bridge was hit a second time. You can hear it during this interview. The bridge was built in 1906. That vehicle was another box truck that left the scene. Later stopped by police, the driver claimed he thought that the sound was the sound of the load in his truck shifting. City leaders now considering putting physical barriers on either side of the bridge to stop two tall vehicles. So this is the third time this bridge has been hit, correct? And twice in two days. Maybe some really big signage or neon lights. Make sure you, <laughs> make sure the top of your box truck is lower than what is needed. Why does it seem so hard? I, I don't understand this. I don't know. I know a lot of people that live in Chicago they're smart people. Maybe they, I need to call them up and get them involved with this, because this seems like foolishness. A plane landing at a Russian airport had to abort their landing at about 500 feet because the flight crew spotted a bear on the tarmac. Pilots pulled up, circled the airport, then made a safe landing about 20 minutes later with no bear in sight. It's enough to worry about when you're trying to fly a plane. I don't think you're expecting to see bears. I heard that the people on the flight barely survived. This can go on all day. <laughs> you mean it hasn't? Seven years ago, Raymond Lillington of Nova Scotia won a $2.4 million jackpot. He says friends and family members have made fun of him for continuing to play even after hitting that jackpot. Now it looks like he is going to get the last laugh. He just hit another jackpot, this time for $13.2 million. Wow. No word if he plans to continue 
playing the lottery. I had a friend in grade school, once again, no names, please, mm -hmm. whose family actually won the lottery twice. Wow. It can happen. More strange bride news now. A UK woman caught flack on social media for buying a wedding dress. Nothing wrong with the dress. The woman announced on Facebook that her boyfriend bought her a promise ring. Hmm. She acknowledged that she is not yet engaged, but said she wanted to, quote, start the process. Oh, boy. Hmm. Sounds like she's, she's on one page and maybe he's on another. It's my two cents. See how that one shakes out. It's not. Where will they be in five years? Not probably around each other. <laughs> Ken Dorsnick, the love doctor. Yep. And then there's a woman who is engaged and is trying to decide on her maid of honor. This anonymous woman is thinking about asking a friend she's known since childhood to take the role. But she noted on Facebook that she hasn't seen this friend in a while, but she just viewed a video of this friend and noted that the friend had a large cavity in her front teeth. The bride-to-be is not sure she should ask her friend to be the maid of honor because she says she's worried about how the wedding pictures will look and what her family might say. She says her fiance is also concerned. Dental that seems work. a little superficial. Is that Dental. me? I mean, if you're friends with that person and wanted to be part of your wedding, I mean, now you're gonna basically, this goes back We've had a lot of these recently. Yeah. This goes back to, I believe it was last week, with the, the lady asking people to submit photos of, mm -hmm. of the wedding party or the people wanting to attend the wedding. A little bit of vanity. What they look like. Maybe this lady's going to do the same thing and just take a picture of all her friends and whoever look, looks best, they're just going to put them in the wedding. <laughs> I'll hire somebody. You know, just hire a model. Yeah, yeah a stand-in. Here. Yeah. Wow, this is a good-looking person. Wow, just have him stand next to me. Our maid of honor, Michelle. Yep, that's not Michelle Smith. No, it's a model named Michelle. It's close enough. Well, as they say, people are crazy. A 47-year-old man was exhibiting signs of drunkenness, even though he didn't drink any alcohol. It was so bad, the man lost his driver's license after a random police check. The man suffers from a rare disease called gut fermentation syndrome or auto brewery syndrome. It causes excessive fungal growth in the gut. Doctors tried putting him on a low carb diet and a prescription of antifungal medication, but that did not help. So the doctors tried something else. Fecal microbiota transplantation. Fecal microbiota transplantation. Do you know what that is, Ken? You're going to tell me. That is a poop transplant. Yeah. Oh, wow. The poop came from the man's daughter. Bacteria in the feces was transferred into the man's small intestine, and his symptoms have subsided. Doctors believe this is the first successful treatment of a patient with this condition by using fecal microbiota transplantation. This is certainly a very messy story. <laughs> but I, I will say this, it's extremely interesting how the human body works. I mean, would you ever think of a poop transplant to help someone continue on with their life? That's pretty No, insane. I just am wondering how you get to that point where you think, you know, if we take the poop from the guy over there, put it in the guy over here, he might feel better. Wow. That to me is just unbelievable. That is a uh, <clears throat> oh, interesting way to close out this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. Time once again to check our voicemail. Once again, if you have a voicemail, make sure you go on to anchor.fm, click the little icon on the side of the page, little microphone, and you can leave us a message and we'll read your message if we have time throughout the show. And uh, once again, another listener sending us a question. Hi, Ted and Ken. 
What is your favorite candy bar? Favorite I have a question. Bar. So this is like the third week in a row. It sounds like we have a listener that's like under the age of like 10. I think so. Do they have the wrong, do they have the wrong number? Are they well, trying to call us by else? They're calling us by name. I so. know. I, young pranksters, I guess. Is that yeah, what this well, is? What they is just want to be, they want us some fame. And unfortunately, they've come to this show. Yeah, that's true. What is our favorite candy bars? Favorite wow. candy bars. Okay, bar. first and foremost, when is the last time you went to a vending machine, put in money, and bought a candy bar? I cannot remember the last time I've done it. It's got to be at least two to three years. I was going to say a couple of years, yeah. From all my time, I, I guess if I'm at that vending machine now and if I'm going to select something, I guess I would select two things. Mm-hmm. One, I don't know if you consider a candy bar. I guess you would. Kit Kat. I just love Kit Kat. I always, okay. always have, always will. The other would be Heath Bar. Oh. I just like that toffee taste and all that. I would say those would be my two go-tos. I would have to go with either Three Musketeers mm. or Milky Way. Oh, those are good. Yes. You know, well, caramel, those are, those are good. Hard to go wrong with the classic Hershey's milk chocolate, but if we're going to fancy it up a little bit, Milky Way or Three Musketeers would be my candy bars of choice. Question for you. Do mm. you prefer them natural or do you prefer them frozen? Natural. I actually prefer my Kit Kats frozen. Oh. It's like an extra special crunch. Heath bar, not so much. You can, I mean, you break your teeth. If you do. Yeah, yeah. But Kit Kat, yeah. Interesting. Well, those are our answers for this week's voicemail. Once again, go to anchor.fm to M-A-M-I-C-L-E if you have a question. And now, great moments in a parenting. Number 352. A Facebook memory popped up on my timeline from a couple years ago. Our family went to Waldemir, an amusement park in Erie, Pennsylvania. They have one fairly big, older wooden roller coaster at the park, the Ravine Flyer 2. I agreed to ride it with my oldest son, as neither of his brothers were tall enough, and my wife was having some back pain. I am not a big roller coaster person, but I made it through the ride with no big problems, although it did not make my list of repeat activities. My oldest son, however did want to ride it again. As we walked around the rest of the park, he begged, he pleaded, he cajoled. And I really didn't want to go again. But there are times when it's very difficult to say no to your kid. So eventually I caved and agreed to go. As we approached, I had second thoughts, then third, fourth, and fifth thoughts, maybe more, as I tried to talk my way out of riding again. But it didn't work. I found myself belted into the seat again, and as the safety bar came down, the smile on my son's face was huge. I made one last plea to get out, but he said, no, we're moving now, you can't get out, and besides, the child always wins. This has been great moments in parenting. You are fake news. game time now we're going to play fake news and we welcome back johnny paradise that's the only name i'm going to call him here every man's nightmare every woman's dream amen brother probably the guy who may uh, be able to guess which headline is the fake one we have two headlines two stories that i found online or found somewhere that were published and then i created one so ken and mr paradise are going to see if they can guess which one is the fake one. So here is headline number one. Woman marries her teddy bear. Quote, most men are the same as all the little boys. They pretend to pay attention, but ignore you, and then talk themselves up before asking if you'd like to see their apartment. Things changed for me during the pandemic when we were all asked to self-quarantine. I went to my favorite special toy store and bought myself a companion. End quote. In her bedroom, where she introduces Teddy Roosevelt Bear beaming at a ragamuffin teddy bear on her bed, she says, quote, It was love at first sight. Once the pandemic surged, I figured the two of us should make our bond legal 
We were married two weeks ago. That's headline number one, woman marries her teddy bear. Here's headline number two, Barney gets jacked. Barney, the once popular chubby children's show icon, fell out of favor and disappeared from pop culture more than a decade ago. Well, after some personal problems, he hit the gym big time. He shocked everyone when he recently emerged to show off his new ripped purple physique. Barney credits a vegan diet and a strict workout regimen for his transformation. His daily routine includes weight training, a 10-mile morning run, and when asked what he will do now, he says, quote, anything that doesn't involve kids. That is headline number two, Barney gets jacked. Here is headline number three. Man eats so many nacho cheese chips, he turns orange. Sam Whitmer of Louisville, Kentucky, loves nacho cheese chips, as evidenced by his inability to eat anything else. But things recently took a turn for the worse when he consumed 200 bags of the chips in 24 hours and his skin turned orange. Dr. Anthony Yafisi says, the artificial colors were just too much for his skin pigment. I don't know if he'll ever get rid of his orange glow. Whitmer doesn't seem to mind saying, quote, so I'm orange. As long as I get more nacho chips, that's really all that matters. So there you go, there is headline number three. So one more time, headline number one, the woman marries her teddy bear. Headline number two, Barney gets jacked. And headline number three, man eats so many nacho cheese chips, he turns orange. Mr. Paradise, which headline do you think my bizarre brain concocted. Barney gets jacked, number two. Barney gets jacked, all right. Ken. That's a good one. I'm thinking along those lines are number three. Because the doctor's name is kind of suspicious. And I can so so let me point out real quick here. Ken has never gotten one of these correct. No, never, never won. Still today, still so, today. Well, well, we'll see. So what do you... My MO has been to try to piggyback off the people that guess. But for some reason, number three seems like really out there. So I'm going to go with the guy who had so many nacho cheese chips, he turned orange. All right. And the fake headline is number three. (laughs) Ken, finally have one. Once. And dare I say, I say it only because he can't reach me. Johnny Paradise does the job again. Ha! <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Hey, so basically you're telling me a fatigue, I can't even say the word, character in a suit runs 10 miles and has ripped abs. I'm not saying that happened, but it was published. It that was published. Crazy. Yeah. Now, Ken, why did you think the third one was, was suspicious? The Dr. Anthony thing. Yeah. You said, what did you say the person's name was? Dr. Dr. Anthony, Anthony Ufisi. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. I think he, if, if anything, he stole that from Dr. Anthony Fauci. That's my guess. You are 100% correct. I took the last name, rearranged the letters, and I wanted to see if you would catch on. So congratulations on your detail-oriented fake news identification. I am not going to gloat because Johnny Paradise will take me to pound town. There's no doubt. I've learned, I've learned a long time ago that I can't run very fast and I fall down a lot easier now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Han, where could folks upcoming, what are a couple of projects that we should look for? Okay. To see so you I've, I've got one coming up called The Legend of Johnny Jones, which is a serial killer movie. They're going to shoot in Atlanta and I'm going to play a SWAT team member. I'm going to stunt double Jason Voorhees in a movie called They Call Me Jason. And then I just got picked up for a movie called Tamara Buys a Car, and it's about underground sex trafficking, and a car lot is used to do it, and I get to play the muscle. So I've got two other things in the well. I got one called The Longshoreman, which this is going to be a big blockbuster movie, I hope. It's going to shoot out in San Francisco, and they're looking at either Ron Howard to direct it or Clint Eastwood or Martin Scorsese. Well, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate your time and best of luck.
Thank you very much, guys. And you guys have a blessed day. Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Yes, it is that time again, Forecast Roulette time, and we welcome in the two middle-aged men in Cleveland's official meteorologist. Hold on, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I jumped the gun. We welcome in the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Scott, welcome in. We're going to play a forecast roulette. You did such a good job last week with, what was the name of the place in Greenland? Uh, oh, that was Narsarsawak. Narsarsawak, that's it. Okay. Before we go any further, because I heard that open, do you mind if I borrow that open so that way when I open the door into my house, that kind of blares through all the wireless speakers in the house? You mean Something this right like here? That? Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. You have ring.com or whatever that thing is where you can see. Oh, that that's a great call. You yes. Could, you could right. make this the special ring every time somebody right, right. the bell. With the thunder and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'd be great for Halloween. The kids show yeah. up, I put a little sensor, the sensor goes off, and then I scare little kids, you know. Yeah. For those who don't remember, the way we play the game, we spin the big wheel here. Whatever city it lands on, Scott Sable from Fox 8, the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, as we've made abundantly clear, is going to immediately give us the forecast for that area. So let me right. spin the big wheel here. Hold on, question. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, Before I'm you sorry. Spin, what? Can I spin it? I've always oh. wanted to be on the prices right. Can I spin the wheel All right. one time? Right. You, you spin the wheel this time. I'm going to spin this thing like I, I'm going to have a hernia. I'm going to tell you oh. right now. You ready? Okay. All here right. we go. Yeah. All right, here it comes, and it has stopped. It has landed on. Here we go. All right. Bacon level, Alabama. Wait, what? Bacon, bacon level, Alabama. As is in the, the name as of in the, the city. Is in the breakfast meat? Break? I believe well, so. Bacon level, Alabama. Bacon level, Alabama. Bacon level, Alabama. I do know where that is, as a matter of fact. I believe that is on the Alabama-Georgia border, if memory serves. Um, okay. Yes, I think I do visualize that. An unincorporated municipality uh, along the uh, along the, the border. I, I've never driven past it, but I ran across it in a Rand McNally somewhere. That's well, I can tell you that the uh, census, the population from uh, 2010... 751 people. Wow. All right. Well, that's wow. not bad. All right. Can so you smell this city before you see it? I Does it have that odor? I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That's a good question. I do have a bacon candle, and I'm wondering if that bacon candle kind of smells like that. Uh, I wonder if there are a bunch of vegetarians there. That'd be great. Anyhow, do we have a forecast we do, for yeah. Bacon Level Alabama? We do have a forecast. Bacon Level Alabama forecast. Hazy sunshine. Today and tomorrow, highs both days at 93 degrees with a southwest wind at 5 to 15. He even gives the wind. That is incredible. All right, Bacon Level, Alabama, all 750 of you, hopefully all of you listening to our program, can now rest assured that you have not just any forecast, but the forecast, the one and only forecast from the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. And no, that's not going to get old in a hurry. <laughs> I love forecast roulette, Ken. This is one of the greatest segments we've added. It brightens my day every week. And Scott Sable's forecasting ability is nothing short of amazing. Guy's a magician. He is. Every week. He's he literally can make it rain. Boom. That's what he does. He's got and the forecast. He knows when it's going to or not. Incredible. 
Well, we have some Facebook likes to hand out this week or folks who handed us a like. Sam Livingston, Thomas Crawford, Pat Shepard, Michael Gresco, Mary Rakitiak. So there you go. Thanks for those Facebook likes. We also have Instagram and Twitter, our Instagram, 2MAMIC1702. And Twitter is at 2MAMICLE. So please follow us. We try to uh, be as interactive as possible on our social media, and we look forward to interacting with you. Ted, I will say before we started the show today, I had an opportunity. So for Facebook likes on our page, we are up to 220. So thank you so much for that. And then on Instagram, we are up to 203. So thank you very much for all those people liking our page. And uh, we we appreciate the support. All right, Ken, it's come to that point in the show. Oh, time to say adieu. Goodbye. Are you going to play golf this week? I think there's a good possibility. If not, I'll make up for it next week because I think I'm going to play about two or three times. Okay. But I do think that you and I might have a meetup this week. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to that. We, we will uh, sample some uh, suds, I believe. Is that correct? There's nothing better to watch you and stare at you drinking a beer or eating food. It's one of the best things I can experience in my life. <laughs> well, I plan to uh, do some more cleaning and preparation for life to go back to the way it was. And I'm going to enjoy as much of the quiet as I can. And I am looking forward to the return of the little boys and my wife. You are right now at a point called it's the calm before the storm. It is. where you're at. There's no question about it. And I'll report back next week and let you know how that transition goes. So until next week, Ken, we say so long from two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm